Greetings, wonderful people. It's me, Shivan, and welcome back to yet another tech podcast. Today, I'm being joined by a great community builder, writer, and a stand-up comedian. Well, without any further ado, it's none other than Laura Howe. We have an assortment of topics today. So we'll be discussing about community management, the process of writing a book, and much, much more. So put up your masks, strap in, and get ready for this is going to be a great ride. But before we go any further, I'd like to extend my utmost gratitude to each and every one of you for your immense support. I know 2021 has been quite an unprecedented year so far, and we've been facing loss and hardships every single day. And do not forget, you're not alone, and we're all in this together. I know this isn't much, but I really hope that this podcast gives you a brief respite. On that note, let's begin. All right, so uh, for the uninitiated, why don't you tell us who you are? Just a quick little introduction. Okay, so uh, my name is Laura Howe. Um, I am known on the internet as Lamiki on Twitter, um, Cheeky Lamiki on the Instagram. Um, so that's an alias that I go by. Um, some of my friends from uh, a certain time period of my life like to call me Lambs, which I adore. Um, so other than my internet fame, which doesn't really exist, um, <laughs> I uh, am Global community builder is something that we like to call me professionally. That's what pays the bills, um, which basically means I help bring um, mad raving fans closer to the brands that they love and help build kind of what I call a hug in between um, the brand and the end users or the consumers. Um, and then when I'm not um, schlepping my uh, credentials for money, I am also a writer, amateur stand-up comedian, um, world traveler, um, collecting air miles, trying to work my way to 1 million. And I also like to travel and move around the world with my cat. That's awesome. So I have another very traditional question as always, which people okay. love to hear. Like, what's your current daily driver in terms of the device that you use? Like your phone or oh. something? <laughs> okay. Um, I do love this question only because of the world that we met in. Um, so my current daily driver is a Google Pixel 4 XL. Amazing. It's be it's a beautiful full device. I definitely um, ever since when I joined. So I've been my my personal daily driver has been Android ever since HTC days. So over eight years, um, and I stuck with it. When I left HTC and I um, got a job at a different company where they gave me a work phone and I got to be one of those really cool people who had an international life with like two cell phones. <laughs> oh my God, it was amazing. So there, uh, I remember when I was getting that job and I got an email from HR that was like, okay, what device do you want? And the options were an iPhone or a Samsung. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, Jesus, um, <laughs> like seriously. So um, I went for iPhone. Um, which was actually really fun because um, from, you know, from just keeping up with tech in the relationship that I have with it, it was nice to have um, to have experience on both operating systems. Yeah, it's it's refreshing. And I know that fanboys love to, you know, battle it out between the two factions, as to say. Yeah. But uh, what I think is if something works out for you as best for you, it's fine. It's no need to, you know, shame one or the other. That's cool. All cool. Totally. I totally agree with you. And what was fun during that and time. And here's my Pixel 3a. Oh. oh my God, that's so cute. Yeah, it's cute. Look at you going, look at you going without a case and without protection, Shaman. Yeah, I, I never like use cases. Danger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, what am I using? I'm using the Spigen, just a shell because I started to 
um, use the pop socket. ups. Um, mm. Pop socket, yeah. Does that really help though? This is my first. Um, sort of. So what got me onto the pop socket, or at least the ring thing, was when I was in Japan and I was on iPhone. Um, I mean, rings are just everywhere in Japan, which makes sense. I mean, you're using it um, crammed together in a um, in the metro, and basically there's bumps, there's whatever people can fall. So I loved using the ring, but I could never have a case where the ring would stick. Hmm. So I started to buy a cheap-ass case that was connected with the <laughs> ring, and I loved it. I wore it like jewelry. Like, I would twist it around my hand or whatever, and it was kind of like a party trick, and people were always like, oh, wow, what are you doing with your phone? You just don't care, whatever. I'm like, I have, knock on wood, a very good relationship <laughs> with phones. There was only a one, three-month period around when the, um, Oh God, what was the name of that phone? The HTC A something. A9? Yeah, when the A9 came out, I broke three of those in like a course of two months. You know what? The only, um, I have broken A9 as well. (laughs) What's your story? Um, I guess. I think I was coming back from somewhere. I was, I was on a cemented road and uh, Mm -hmm. you know, the good old days when we used to have wired earphones. Mm -hmm. Remember those? What? So um, yeah, it was connected, and the phone was in my pocket, and somehow it fell, but I caught caught the wire. But mm. you know, since I caught it, it just got disconnected, and it fell face flat on the cemented road, so it cracked. The A nine was a beautiful, um, a beautiful phone for breakage. Yes. Um, so I broke the first one at the A nine launch. So mm. when HTC launched it with Title X, and it was in. Um, the arena as we were leaving the venue and I had just taken all of the photos that were being used on social with my A9 and I was walking up the stairs and I missed my blazer pocket and it fell onto the onto the concrete steps of the stadium and it was just like like cool okay phone launch day when I could finally get it show it out of NDA and it's broken uh the second time was New Year's Eve that year um where i was waiting in line for the restroom and it was at some club and i just like it slipped out of my hand and skid on the floor and so that was a good opportunity to stop drunk texting as well um uh, been there <laughs> done that yes yeah yeah and then the last one was just a glitch um because of course they were all pre-production models the fun days so uh, since you're telling about um building global communities and all so I would love to hear about what's your thought process. Like when you come on board and say like, hey, you're supposed to build a community. How do you approach the whole process of building a real community of fans and people, or as you call it, advocates? Yes, um, that's my favorite word. So um, I've had experience building brands for tech companies, for um, consumer brand, FMCGs, fast moving consumer goods. So um, stuff you buy very quickly. Um, and then also um, a variety of some artists. Um, so kind of, you know, where it's been certain personalities, right? Mm-hmm. So where I really come into play and where I like to do the magic is um, coming into a community that already has kind of a base, mm-hmm. right? So um, I like to be, I consider myself more of a builder versus a founder. So a lot of times when I work with brands, so the difference between a founder is a founder, mm-hmm. obviously, is someone who creates something out of nothing, okay. you know, is the big ideas person, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Um, and those people are visionaries, right? Because mm-hmm. they just spell out the North Star, where are we going, right? But they don't necessarily know the how, or they're not necessarily good at the how. They might be the ones who are like, you know, seeing the opportunity, jumping on it, bringing people together to for how it's done. I like my... Um, name how um and really good in how it's done um, so like give me a north star give me a roadmap and i can make shit happen mm-hmm. so to speak 
That's, you know, I'm absolutely going to pitch it to you each and every single time. You need a podcast of your own called How Did This Happen? Or something. <laughs> but then how shit is done. Some, please, <laughs> you need to make that happen. It's so funny. So this is this is a tangent. This is already off topic. Um, so as, as you know, I... I um, I changed my name uh, a couple of years ago from um, a divorce. And so my internet persona changed as well. Not quite persona. No, the persona is the same, but at least my legal name. So it's a very much a challenge to get a new Gmail address when you change your name. But that's, that's, that's an essay in a book that I'm writing. That's basically like why pe- women specifically, but also people should never change their name. Mainly case in point, Gmail addresses. Anyway, so um, I was trying to find a new Gmail address and um, I actually did snag how is Laura Howe. Um, nice. It's actually pretty, pretty savvy. Mm-hmm. And then I misspelled it, so I have both versions. <laughs> <laughs> nice, amazing. Um, since we're on the since we're on the name game, it's actually fun um, because since I missed uh, the main, you know, ten years of my life uh, meeting people and uh, building up a, a professional network with my current name. Um, with Laura Howe, I had no idea that Howe is actually quite a difficult name to pronounce in other regions of the world. Oh, that's, so, that's very interesting. I thought my name was difficult. <laughs> it might be. It might be. Hmm. So um, I guess for, for your listeners, so I'm American. I spent um, 30 years of my life living in the Seattle area, Pacific Northwest of the U.S. And then almost five years ago, I moved abroad for the first time, first to Switzerland. Um, which is a French-speaking country. And then I moved to Japan, which is a Japanese-speaking country, and now I'm back in Switzerland. So um, it's really fun because I've been in a um, working in a multinational corporation where everybody has very different names. And so nobody knows how to spell anybody's name. It's like so freeing, right? So I had um, the team assistant actually one day asked me because she wanted to know how to pronounce my name. And she was very, very succinct on it. She was like, and she was sneaky how she did it. She was like, um, Laura, um, how do you pronounce your surname? Um, because in French, and I don't really know French, I only know how to order beer and say thank you and hello, um, which yeah, confuses a lot of people. Essentials, of course. Yeah. Exactly. So um, in French, how would be pronounced au? <laughs> so it's very confusing, you know, and like how you say a W to spell it is like double O or something like that. So it was very cute. So then my my response to her question, how do you pronounce your name is, how do you mean? And then that, that just created a laughter. So, <laughs> yeah. And then in Asian countries or East Asian countries, how seems to be pronounced howie for whatever reason they pronounce the E at the end. So it's really, it's been an interesting thing just to learn. Like I thought I had a very generic, like no frills english name um but even laura like in french it's laura spanish is laura japanese it's laura so fun (laughs) (laughs) so fun so back to your original question about building communities because that's how i got on that tangent um (laughs) okay so um really at the start of it so when i like to come in and work with um people or brands as far as like building their audience because um that is what a community is you know it's the people who care about you it's like your followers um from Shimon on Twitter and then also another tech podcast. Um, really what I'd like to do is kind of um, first get a lay of the land and figure out who are the existing people and kind of what are they passionate about? What do they care? How do they respond, right? Because um, it's kind of like when you, it's basics in getting to know um, like a friend or a person or you know, you're know you dating somebody, right? You gotta figure out what are their interests, right? Before I start shoving a bunch of new stuff on top of it. <laughs> um, so that's the first thing. So basically going all Sherlock on people. Sherlock, a little bit, yeah. 
there, there's different depths for sure to go on because then it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah i try to keep top line because yeah. um, also you know when it comes to working in social media which is the communities that i build are online mm-hmm. um so they're usually owned communities and usually the communication comes through social right mm-hmm. um, there's a fine line between being like knowing your audience and also being creepy mm-hmm. right and so i don't quite want to go full creepy like retarded ad style in the beginning mm-hmm. because the whole goal with building a community is to um create this like individual connection that's technically one to many so the brand or the persona to like you know hundreds thousands millions of people that feels genuine authentic in a way where it feels like i am talking directly to you so in that way kind of the tenets of so part of it is like audience understanding of who's there right and then like where do you want to go so it depends on like the brand that i'm working with like um you know, I was currently one of my projects right now is I'm working with um, a friend of mine startup. And so she's got an organizing business and a sustainability brand. And so her thing is um, right now where she's at is really much local because it's local building the client base and things like that. But like she's got a long term plan as far as um, the relationship that people have with their stuff, you know, and how like, um, you know, all of your stuff, you treasure it for a moment and then you let it go, but it's not just like donating and throw it away, but it's like, where can you give it almost like a second life? So she's got like this big vision. So she's a founder, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've got her her master plan. Yeah. So it's like, okay, where she's at right now is like kind of in that, that um, like needing to be found and people need to understand like what her business is all about and also her as a founder, right? So we're kind of working on kind of her executive um, platform as well. But then where she wants to go is something bigger. So then kind of it's a combination when it comes to building that community of okay is like, who are the people that need to be reached now? And kind of how can you slowly through content and conversations and also other people that you connect with, whether it's influencers or other thought leaders, other brands, where can you help go there further, right? So since you like uh, go through people who you think like are mm-hmm. possible um, additions to the community, my baseline question being, are there any specific red flags which you look for um, when you're building a community? Mm, okay. Well, it depends on what level, right? Because if it's just um, like numbers, like I just want listeners and audience, you know, it can be, I mean, I always try to look for things that are um, mean that this person is a human, authentic, right? Like there's basically. no way to know who's, yeah, exactly authentic because um, the brands that I build are very much that genuine human connection, right? Mm-hmm. And especially that emotional connection. I think that's what I was trying to remember what to say earlier. <laughs> um, so definitely um, through my experience working on Twitter, like I could definitely tell kind of who's a bot, who's not. The challenge now is that there's a lot of, because a lot of social networks or not necessarily social networks, but there's a big movement to like privacy on the internet is that there's a lot of people who use aliases. And I remember that like, um, from 10 years ago, you know, like it, it would annoy me if it wasn't someone's real name or someone's face, but like, um, I learned that a lot when I was building communities in Japan, like in Japan, like nobody shows their faces. Um, and like, the, yeah there was actually um technology that we were working on to develop as a way to like can we identify somebody's um age and passions based on what they tweet and their profile photo and whatnot and that worked in western countries when most people show their faces but in um countries like japan where that was one of the audience um, experiments you know it's it might be a close-up photo of like their matcha tea you know (laughs) so it's like really hard to tell like who is this person and so that's another thing too, just to understand, like, what are the different nuances based on different um, cultures and countries that your audiences are in? Okay, that's pretty insightful. And what about the green flags? Like, like, like you said, being mm-hmm. authentic is one. Uh, are there any certain parameters that you look out for 
having good community yeah. members like what do you look for, look for in them yeah so this one's super easy um and it's we could trademark it but it wasn't my original idea um so if anyone outwardly on their own organically talks about you and your brand or um a topic that's similar um at htc um well, since it's no longer that when we were recruiting for elevate we had search terms for just htc plus love hmm. and so that was a lot of ways <laughs> that we recruited um community members especially since we were looking for advocates and people who talked openly about the brand because that was one of the goals of that community so um honestly anybody who talks organically about um a brand is definitely a green flag or like somebody who like i want to bring into my community hmm. that i'm building that's fantastic I mean, <laughs> it was a fun time while it lasted, wasn't it? I know. <laughs> Rest in peace. Yeah. Good memories. Yeah. I was so sad when it, um, when Elevate, when the news came out about Elevate being pulled down in 2019, uh, January, because that was, that was a lot. I was still subscribing to um, Google alerts on Elevate just yeah. so I could keep tabs on it. And so it was started with, hey, the site's down and then what do we do? And I was like, oh, I was so sad for a couple of days there. Last year was 2019. It was founded in 2012. So it was a seven-year run, which um, all communities shift and change. I mean, it's like how um, Facebook as a platform is changing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Which is part of like fascinating to me is I love to see like what's popular, what's not, how things have shifted. Um, Going back to when you were talking about like what's a a red flag with people and Mm -hmm. like um, how people use Twitter now because like there's so much more adoption and there's so Mm -hmm. many more like lurkers. Um, on Twitter versus um, people who are actually like consuming content. Um, but it's just how things have shifted or like um, on Facebook, you know, not a lot of people are like creating content on there. Um, <laughs> Wait, people still use Facebook? <laughs> I just got a message on my wall over the weekend from my grandpa saying he missed my post. So um, yeah, <laughs> so I'm oh, definitely wow. like a hundred percent like Jen's like a teenager now who like, I don't post on Facebook because except to talk to my grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I keep I have certain people who are connected now to Google. So that's cool. Um, I've been enjoying the Google alert saying, hey, do you want to plan something for somebody's birthday? I'm like, it's a pandemic, Google. <laughs> Read the room. Like, <laughs> right. Talking about reading the room, I see a lot of mm. books behind you. And there's a perfect segue to you being a writer. Can, mm. Could you please tell me how is the experience of writing something on your own? What are you working on currently? <laughs> so smooth. Damn. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so sorry. That laugh was more just um, <laughs> me and how to position. Um, it's funny. I was working on my project, um, my book, uh, right before this call. So that's also part of the energy. All right, let's take a quick coffee break. Talking about which, now you can literally buy me one. Yeah, just check out the link in the description. Not only can you support the podcast, but also opt for a membership which provides additional benefits. What kind of benefits, you might ask? Well, you get access to a members on the Discord where we can game together with like-minded individuals. You might even recognize some familiar faces out there. You'll also get extra members-only content and you get to suggest guests and topics. And it's an ever-growing list of benefits. So if you like what you hear, just head over to buymeacoffee.com slash YATP. Yeah, it's that simple. Pick your poison and voila, you're done. And now that the coffee break is over, let's resume with the episode. Okay, so um, little known fact about me that now... Um, so you get this exclusive story. Um, <laughs> I have been um, a writer my entire life. That's been my passion point. Um, I used to write stories and inspire around notebooks, kind of like Harriet the Spy at recess, um, except they were fiction. Um, and I remember like 
fellow students used to, or like some of my friends would come look at like the stories I was writing and I would use like, you know, a name of a boy in class, like Tyler, because that was like what three of them were named. She's like, oh, you have a crush on Tyler. I was like, no, this is a story. Like, go over, right? So it's just something that I've always done in secret, right? Um, and I like went to grad school uh, for book publishing, actually. Um, but then, yeah, it was something that like through imposter syndrome of being 20 and like in creative writing classes and not knowing, like it was just something I was interested in, but not something where I was like, what do I want to do with life? Um, so I kind of put that on a shelf. Um, my life prior to getting into social media, I did work in publishing, but then there was a recession. So I got laid off and was like, what do I do now? And so that's actually how I found um, community management social was that um, I was working for a company at the time that um, I was in field sales, which is a horrible job for my personality, um, and especially a horrible job during a recession because sales mm-hmm. in, you know, something like journals are not very big. So anyway, we were um, a company that was basically a competitor to Moleskine. So, um, but we were so, and I was being like, I was managing the field sales reps who were then going to the store accounts, who were then going to the end customer. So I was like so many degrees separation from like our end user. And so I was hearing third, fourth degree about what the um, customers thought about our, our products and how amazing they were and different ideas. And I was like, there is something here, right? And this was in um, 2007, 2008. So before like Facebook had a business profile presence. Um, and I was like, okay, there's gotta be something that, um, out there as far as like people's relationship, you know, somewhere to like connect with the end users, the consumers in some way, um, as far. And so I was actually, um, went to a, um, networking event, social media club event. That was something that was big back in the, um, around the, the eights to the elevens. Um, and there was the good times when we, we could meet in public. Exactly, exactly. And like, you know, and there was this <laughs> new thing called social media and people were like, how do we figure this out? And it was like a bunch of speakers were coming together and just like using like, you know, it was, it was a really cool like um, testing ground, right? So I went to this one talk um, and the speaker there was talking about um, communities for brands. Um, and so like his platform was wiki community. So I was like, oh my God, what is this? Like, there's something here. So like I actually built on this pitch and like the day after I was going to go up to my boss and like kind of have a Jerry Maguire moment of like, this is what we need to do. Right. You know, our, our sales are falling, but we've got these consumers out there who just love our product. We can build something. I want to figure it out. Right. <laughs> the day I walked into the office was the day that I got, Hey, we are laying you off notice. I was like, ah, okay. <laughs> so that ended my adventure in publishing for a while. And then I got to play with communities, um, which has been a lot of fun. But kind of my relationship with writing has something that's always been there. Um, and I kind of knew that I would come back to it because it's like one of those things that you do when you're a kid or when you're little that you're just like, it's your art. Um, but it just wasn't time, right? I was busy like you know, trying to earn a living and pay my rent and whatever and traveling the world. Um, so all sorts of good things. So the benefit is, um, I think I started, you know, and I was blogging for a bit around like 2012, a bit, a lot around 2012, um, but was trying to figure out what my passion was. So I kind of got into it. I got back into my relationship with writing actually restarted about a year and a half ago, I say, um, when I was talking to a friend of mine here in Switzerland, um, and I was telling her I wanted to get back into writing. And she actually is a formerly trained comedian, stand-up comedian and has a theater background. And so she had a number of people here in Switzerland who um, wanted to learn how to do stand-up comedy. They're like, it's always been my dream. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Like if anything, it'll get me into a relationship with writing. So she designed this. I mean, I mean it fits you as well. Thanks, I also do it sitting down. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
<laughs> we had a joke. So here's a side note. Um, when I was working at HTC, I would say random comments during meetings, um, like board meetings, like with our CEO in the room. Um, and so my boss at the time, F, <laughs> used to joke um, about it, how I would do stand up in meetings. And I was like, yes, that's true. Um, yeah, there was one time, actually, I made a joke when we were trying to plan um, how to launch the HTC Vive. Um, and so we we're in this big, long day meeting with the CEO at the time, Cher Wang. Um, and we were talking about like, what do we, you know, some joke about they wanted to do a 24 hour live stream, like back before that was a thing. And I was like, what are we going to do for 24 hours with content? And I was like, yeah, and at 2 a.m. we can play board games. And um, I don't know, some joke like that. And then F just gave me a death stare and Cher actually just like looked at me in the face. She's like, that is not funny, Laura. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to back away slowly. So yeah, so um, thank you for that compliment about it. Sounds like it fits. Um, yeah, so we were in this super intensive, um, amazing 15-week stand-up writing workshop. And so um, my dear friend, Kate, um, you've seen her on the internet with me, Cutie Pie Kate. Um, yeah. She basically spent half of that teaching us everything she knows about how to write jokes, how to structure them, all this stuff. And then the other half was on performance. And so then at the end of it, we had each of us, there were three of us, we had a five-minute set. Um, and it was, and then we performed at an open mic in Geneva, Switzerland. Mm -hmm. And that was the most incredible day. Um, I didn't even have my, it was it was a very hard process for me for a writing process because it's the first time I wrote anything outside of stuff for work or for the internet or for a business or like for a blog um, since like college. <laughs> so like, honestly, most of the times um, writing is really hard and it's super vulnerable for me. Um, so it's very interesting that it's something that I'm very into and passionate about because like every we'd meet every week and we'd have assignments and then the whole thing was like bring what you wrote and the best um piece of rule that kate had for our group was that um do not do any explanations for it meaning pitch what your joke as if it's the best joke you've ever written interesting which i love it like you know if if the truth is that you know you just wrote it on a napkin at the bus stop on your way over don't say it. it's like here's my stuff Right. So it like helps build this confidence. It takes out any like, you know, um, any context that you might have hearing it. So mm -hmm. you're just like, okay, here's the best joke in the world. Right. Um, and then we also had frameworks on how to give feedback. And a lot of it was like, you know, we sat there with a highlighter anytime somebody joked or laughed at anything we wrote, we wrote it. Um, yeah. So most of the sessions, honestly, I was reading my jokes through tears because like a lot of, because <laughs> it was super vulnerable. It is really scary to like share writing. It is so scary. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, um, and a lot of what I was writing, it was not jokes because that's not my format. I'm, I'm long form narrative. I'm stories. Um, and so having to write something super succinct, as you can tell by our conversation, I'm not very good with succinct. Um, so, you know, it's hard. Um, but then like about two or three weeks before it was going to be our session, I was like, okay, I'm committing to it. Let's do it. You know, it was me and these two other newbies. Um, I was doing dishes and I was working on like my bits, just like rehearsing it. And all of a sudden, like I, I had it all memorized and it was this magic moment. I was like, Holy, it was so cool. Um, one of my best friends from the U S uh, flew, like decided two weeks in advance to jump on a plane and come out and be there for me for my first stand-up. She was like, I feel like this is a huge moment in your life. That's wonderful. So it was just, it was amazing. Um, and delivering it was just absolutely incredible. Cause like, um, there's something like I have given presentations. I've given talks with Madonna mics in front of 500 people on stage. 
um, you know, usually swallowing those nerves and stuff, but I've never shared my writing and my craft with people. Um, and it was incredible. It was 40 people in a basement back when you could be shoulder shoulder to people. Um, and I had this weird, crazy out of body experience where the front half of my body was in the room delivering and like, you know, listening to the laughs, trying to breathe, watching, you know, my best friend in one corner. Um, I had about 10 people that went to Geneva from Lausanne, which was 45 minutes, which is not a normal thing in Europe, right? To like come see my stuff just because I told them about it. One of my friends, she like picked up four other people in her way and like spent two hours in traffic. I was like, these people showed up for me, Whoa. holy fuck, right? So half of it was delivering my stuff and just memorize. It was muscle memory. It was absolutely incredible. And then the other half of my body was like physical, it was like it was noticing these small tremors in my body it was like um there's this trick where like you have to hold the mic up to your chin so that it stays to your mouth because if you like move your mouth away from the microphone nobody can hear your jokes nobody can laugh the challenge Quite is literally <laughs> exactly what you're in exactly right <laughs> so um if that was taped to your face it would be easier um your mic i mean mm. um for people who cannot see um, <laughs> true <laughs> But the problem is that a lot of comedians are men and they have this thing called facial hair, right? Oof. So facial hair, um, no, 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 no. It's great. Facial hair to a microphone is like Velcro. It helps keep the microphone on, right? As a woman without facial hair and with makeup and sweaty skin, a microphone in my chin slips. <laughs> so like half the time when I'm like injured, you know, trying to tell these jokes, I'm just trying to like keep this microphone glued to my chin that keeps slip, slipping right oh my god it was so funny and like so this is so much that's happening in the in the moment as also <laughs> i'm trying to recall five minutes of content and letting people pause for jokes of that oh my god so one of the best highs in my life was finishing that and then um last fall i did um four more shows uh before the pandemic hit one of which um was a private show so i was booked for my first ever private fancy. corporate gig fancy still fucking fancy um <laughs> and it was for actually a team at the company that i uh used to work for um and it was their ethics and compliance team ah uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, great i can already see where this is going but nice it was amazing and it was 20 minutes um i didn't fully script it i did some of my existing content and some of the jokes also that were more inside jokes about the company so talking about executives <laughs> and whatnot um and the best part about that is like what's challenging in comedy is like it's really you don't it's really challenging to tell jokes about your workplace at a club because like there's so much contextual inside jokes right um but when you're telling it to a room full of well, there was 20 people international um of lawyers um they understand everything <laughs> so it was so fun it was so much fun and then afterwards the best part so like i basically it was their like end of year holiday party and i was the talent um and basically the vp of ethics and compliance wanted to try something new because she's a she's a somebody who shakes things up and so they booked me a surprise guest which was fun and afterwards um one of the ethics compliance officers for that oversaw my office came up to me, shook his hand, introduced himself. He was like, okay, hi, Laura, here's my name. If you have any ethics compliance issues, I'm your guy. I was like, thank you. I am paid an immunity here so I can do what I want. Uh, it was so much fun because it's just like, I mean, the things with comedy is that like you just, and writing in general is that like, it's scary as shit. Um, but it's like this bravery of going up there. And it gave me this like, I mean, to be honest, like I said, comedy is not necessarily my forte, but I, everything in my life is funny um, to me. Um, 
but it's, it's, I like to call it an entry drug. So it helped me start writing. Um, and I always knew and felt that at some point in my life, I would get back to writing. So I'm, I'm channeling, you know, I was really inspired when I, um, learned the background of Murakami and how he, um, ran a bar in Japan for, um, 10 years. And then he didn't start writing until he was 30. And now he's 80 and a prolific writer and like he's had this full other career. So I was like, okay, maybe in my thirties, I'll get back to that. And I'm, <laughs> you know, 34 now. And so that's where that started with comedy. Um, and the pandemic hit, um, and I've been going through a lot of, you know, find my stuff and whatever as every, instead of baking bread, basically I started writing, um, the narrative side. So, um, I really started in, cause I've had this book idea in me, um, for a number of years. Um, and in November is when I really started or in October, I guess I started like, okay, I need to actually put words to paper. So, um, in November I participated in NaNoWriMo, which is national novel writing month. Mm. So it's a big thing in the U S. Um, which basically the whole premise of that is to help people who have a book idea um, get over the fear of a blank page by saying, okay, here's for the entire month of November, you have 30 days. Your goal is 50,000 words, period, which really it's 1600. So 50,000 words is the size of the uh, Hobbit. So the whole idea is that it's a start. It is your shitty first draft. It is the vomit first draft, depending on what book you're writing. The whole idea is not edit, just go and produce and put it out. Um, and NaNoWriMo has a lovely website, NaNoWriMo.org, where literally you can track your like um, progress and they have lovely graphs and they tell you kind of like, you know, when are you most creative and they help you like shift your goal every day. So it was really great. So I committed to that. Um, through the help of um, one of my dear friends, she helped me kind of like structure, give me some ideas of like how to start, like have a list of topics. Um, and then Kate and I were living together at the time. And so she also gave me the space of like, of basically being like, have you written your words yet? And then I actually was very good at, I did tell some friends like, hey, I'm writing. So they checked in with me. Have you been writing? I was like, yes. And the magic of that was literally, I just um, got into a flow for what I was writing. It only took about two hours a day to like meet it. And I have had, have the most amazing run on sentences in my life. Cause it was like just pure writing, pure words. Um, and it was magic for just starting. Right. So that's the process that I'm at. Um, and I actually just read my first manuscript last week. I finished it. I was very afraid to go back into it. So now I'm in the editing process, which is, um, exciting, but also it's going to be a lot of work. That's, um, that's wonderful. <laughs> so if you don't Thanks. mind sharing, what's the book all about? Oh, yeah. So that's the part where I'm like, I uh, don't quite have my uh, press language for it yet, but we'll <laughs> go for it. So, okay. Um, it is, on one hand, it's a lot of stories about people I've met since living abroad over the last four years. That is one version of the pitch. Um, so basically, the book that I'm writing, the working title right now is called Arguments Against Marriage. Hmm. And it's a memoir about different adventures and experiences that I've had um, while I was married, mostly um, since I've been living abroad, and just like the random shenanigans that you get into as being not in, attached in a relationship, right? It's the stories of um, finding my crew of friends in Japan of just a bunch of like lost soul expats. And we had, um, you know, and just finally for the first time meeting a crew of people who like I could be myself with in all different ways and there was no judgment and there's other things too so that that's what this book is a work in progress and where I you know I was hesitating because like my initial idea was um 
where this book was going to be has changed as I've written it. And actually that working title of Arguments Against Marriage actually is only a couple of weeks old. Mm -hmm. So even today I was working through like the different stories and um, essays. I'm like, okay, how can we theme this? And what does this really look like? Because it's... Um, I, I guess that's the fun process, right? You write and evolve, iterate on that, and then land on something which aligns with your goal and your vision. Totally. And the vision has changed, changed and shifted a lot because it's like, it's really about, this book is some is a book that I wish existed and I stumbled upon five years ago when I was going through this, even 15 years ago, when it was, you know, it's not so much like marriage is a very specific relationship model, but it's also something that is very much, um, it's part of this mainstream narrative, meet somebody, fall in love, be together forever, <laughs> right? Um, it's in every single movie archetype and it's, but it, it requires a lot of work and there is a lot of different nuances as far as like, is that the right path for you or not? So that's really what this book is about and um, ideally a bit controversial. Um, so that's another thing that I need to work through as with being a writer and having your heart out there. It's like, okay, this is what I'm all about, you know? Um, yeah, so that that's that's the idea. It's, um, it's a memoir, it's about stories and different themes into basically trying to challenge the status quo and the, the main narrative of life, which seems to be marriage is the best thing that you must achieve for. Da, da, da. That's wonderful, Emily. That's pretty insightful. Not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious about the stand-up comedy scene. So in India, um, yeah. of course, despite being the second most COVID cases uh, uh, in the world. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. First is USA, second is India. So yeah, <laughs> it's terrible, but we are managing. So um, the point which is coming to is um, considering <laughs> stand-up comedians cannot perform in public anymore. You know what they're doing yeah. is they're having, uh, they're performing on Zoom calls and it's, and it's a paid <laughs> show and doing it that way. So it's pretty interesting. Um, is that the same case over there as well? Yeah, yeah, it depends. I mean, so like my online network, so... The world that I'm in, in in comedy in Switzerland is um, English-speaking expat community. So there are a number of English-speaking um, comedians in Switzerland who are doing, you know, Instagram Lives, Zooms, things like that. Um, over the summer, um, Switzerland was able to open some events in person. So um, in certain regions where events were allowed, people could go in, but it was definitely reduced capacity with masks. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it's varied, but like that's that's definitely most of the uh, comedians who I follow are usually U.S. based, and so a lot of that is Zoom calls and things like that. Interesting. Um, I have not done that um, just because I am such a newbie to comedy that, um, and also like I said, it's an entry, so I've been mm -hmm. you know staying offline and, and writing mm -hmm. writing my memoirs. Well, if, if I may suggest, uh, have you ever considered mm -hmm. you know uploading some of your content on YouTube? perhaps on <laughs> say IGTV who knows because why not or do you want to save your content for offline spaces I at the moment right now I am I've decided not to do that so not to build an online audience as a comedian and part of that was just the journey that I've been in mm -hmm. um for like you know comedy was a testing ground for me mm -hmm. and that is something that I get a lot out of it but it's a lot of work on the front end like I said like when I wrote my mm -hmm. jokes I was crying right and now I'm working on this big massive um book project so it's one of those things that like that's definitely something that like because I have this vision for this book of it actually like you know being published and whatnot and because of that like I will need to build a platform and an audience and right. especially around me as a content so that so that's part of stuff that i will definitely need to get back into i see how it will be a conflict of interest i guess 
yeah, it's more just like it's energy output, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like, um, like where I'm putting my energy right now is to figure out these, you know, all these random stories and things that happen in my life and how do I put in a theme to support a hypothesis, right? Um, so it's not just navel gazing or like, you know, stories of my life, <laughs> inhaling Arctic weather. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it's definitely, there's, there's certain bits, like there is some stuff of my jokes, like they do exist on a private YouTube channel just for friends who wanted to see, um, but they're not, I've not released my jokes for public consumption. And part of it too is like testing and figuring it out. And like some of those jokes I have written into essays. Um, it's really fun to write about, about uh, your exes. Um, <laughs> because then you own the story, you own the narrative. So that's definitely something that in the future potentially, um, but I need to, once I'm, once my manuscript has enough of a form, so I know like, what are the little droplets that can go out? What essays can I pitch to other publications? You know, so there's definitely a big part of speaking of community building that I will need to be doing for myself <laughs> as uh, a writer, which is exciting. How tables have turned. <laughs> it's so, it's so fun. This project is so fun to be honest, um, because like, like I said, I, I went to grad school for book publishing. So like I've got the whole like how it's done already mapped out. <laughs> Literally, all I need is this manuscript. Like, you know, the next is a book proposal, hiring an editor, then building a platform and then working with agents and publishers, ideally, right, to shop it around. And then because of that, I will need an audience. So I will need a community. I know all this stuff, but right now I need the goddamn book. <laughs> <laughs> I need the content. I mean, I could sell anything. Mm -hmm. I could definitely build an audience right now for it, but it would, uh, I, you know, you have so much energy during the day. <laughs> I honestly cannot wait for the book. Really? Yeah. I mean, why not? <laughs> Thanks. I, I'm really rooting for you. And I, I'm not just saying for the heck of it, but I'm genuinely excited and looking forward to it. Thank you. It's going to be, it's going to be good. And I have pitched it quietly to, um, you know, some very trusted friends and in different versions of that pitch. Um, mm -hmm. And always the response is really good, which is fantastic. Like, I think I just, I don't know, everybody, I mean, everybody's got imposter syndrome. Everybody thinks like, who am I exactly. to be this authority to write this? Um, and I think kind of in my past life, so definitely when I was in the US, I was um, hanging out with a lot more creative. So a lot more people like me who are way more brilliant than me and doing much cooler shit. So of course, it's easier to be like, I am shit. Um, but definitely like my my friends now are not so much in the creative space. So maybe that helps with like people being in awe of you. You know, it's like, it's like, oh, you know, like, I don't know how this is what gonna do we come do off. Then they're but like, yeah. this is amazing. <laughs> Exactly. You know, it's like, um, you know, if you're a musician and all your friends are musicians, of, you know, you're always comparing yourself to your friends. But mm -hmm. then, you know, when you take yourself into a different community or a different world and people who like, you know, are programmers and not musicians, then all of a sudden you're a god. Okay, that is putting a completely different <laughs> context here, but kind of similar, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's like what happened to me when people heard about stand up, right? Um, I, you know, it was my first time. And then all of a sudden I was at like how I booked the private event was that um, I was at an after works drinks and people come up and they were like, Laura, we saw you did comedy. You did comedy. Hey, we need this for this. Like it was all networking. I was like, you guys haven't even seen a video. You don't even know if I'm funny, but okay. I mean, it's, I don't know. There was just some confidence that happened from it and that's part of it. So it's, it's been really interesting too, as um, be more open and talking about writing as you know you brought up you mm -hmm. know because you know it from me talking a little bit about the process of writing online mm -hmm. um just like how almost like you know talking about the work as you're doing it is kind of cool to just 
see who the cheerleaders are and keep you going. Because um, writing and creating anything is a very lonely process. Correct. It is. So here's something fun for like just a different segue. Because I love, I mean, so um, for all the listeners at home, um, when Shimon and I met with HTC Elevate, which was HTC's uh, VIP brand advocate community, um, we actually met in India. We have met. That was such a beautiful trip. Yeah, that was really wonderful. (laughs) So, oh, that was such, God, that was such a crazy 72 hours. Um, I had a broken foot at the time. Nobody knew that. I didn't either. (laughs) Um, But that's not what I was going to say. So something that's really cool about uh, being part of a device community is the fact that people have, obviously, multiple devices. So one of the things that I loved and I even still talk about this now that I had the best job in the world with Elevate Mm -hmm. where I got to travel the world and meet our fans in person. And the best part that always happened during those meetups is that um, at one point in the night, everyone would bring their collections. Uh, Yes. I still have that video. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. What was that? Yeah. And it was just, it's a beautiful thing because it's just like, you know, you're, you all have something in common, which is these devices. And so you want to show it off. So the cool thing about when I was working in Japan with Philip Morris, um, building community for ICOS, which is their um, reducers tobacco products. So cigarette alternatives Mm -hmm. is that we had um, uh, upper echelon of fans as well. And so we had a couple of dinners once a year where it was very traditional, like, you know, end of year kind of dinner with our top followers Um, because the community there was Instagram. And again, the magic happened where there was one moment during dinner, I think there were seven guests there, um, and it was me and my colleague, and all of a sudden, on the table were 30 Icos devices, all special (laughs) editions, um, you know, different cases, different customizations, and my heart just glowed. I took photos. It was beautiful. It was such a great moment. Um, Oh, I love those. (laughs) So always have multiple phones in your drawer, always. Well, I must say, this has been a really amazing conversation, don't you think? I mean, I'm not forcing you to it say that. but great. <laughs> I'm having a great time. And I was like, oh, yeah, we're totally at the top of the hour. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> time literally flows by when you're having fun, doesn't it? It does. And it's so great to just see you in real life and not on the internet. Yeah. Um, Although this well, is you the, are internet. On the internet. Yeah. <laughs> We need to meet well, once this whole pandemic is over. You know, so let's pick let's let's pick a country. Where are we gonna go? Hmm. I mean, I'm gonna leave the whole itinerary thing to you because I'm a terrible okay. planner when it comes to this. I'm great at following itinerary, but creating one, uh, no thanks. <laughs> I can be a founder when it comes to travel. I'm great at that. That's one of my yeah. I'm fabulous at that. <laughs> That's that's one of the reasons why um, our vacation was pre-planned one. Not mm-hmm. like we just arrived there and like, okay, now we're going to move somewhere else. No, we had an absolutely pre-planned um, itinerary. So that's why, that's one of the reasons I couldn't meet Darren as well. Um, we tried, but it didn't it didn't happen. At least I got to ride the Lime Aww. scooter. That was f***ing amazing. Ah, oh, I miss <gasps> it. It's really good. <laughs> I I did that in um, Milan in October, um, and I didn't realize that you don't if you floor it, you know the button on yeah, the handrails, yeah. it doesn't go anywhere. So like there were like cops who were like, "Keep going, go, go," and I'm like, "What?" And finally, I figured I just thought my battery was dead. <laughs> but it was fun. <laughs> so I'm sorry, you had a final question. I totally interrupted you. No, no, that's fine. So I was just saying, like Laura, where can people find you on the internet? 
the good old World Wide Web. Well, you can find my embarrassingly outdated blog um, at lamiki.com, L-A-M-I-K-I.com. But really, I'm more active on Instagram under the alias Cheeky Lamiki, C-H-E-E-K-Y-L-A-M-I-K-I. Um, and then also on Twitter, I still have a very warm spot for Twitter, and that's just at Lamiki. Um, yeah, so those are the places I play the most on these days. That is sweet. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> this was a really fun conversation and we should catch up more often. Thank you, Shimon. This was so lovely. This and this I literally we like we are meeting after like three, mm-hmm. four years, I guess, because the last time we met was literally when you were in India, wasn't it? 2015, dude. Shit. 2015. <laughs> I was like, and like it was such an effort to get that visa and then it was a three-year visa and then I changed my goddamn name. So I was like, all right. (laughs) (laughs) No, I would love to go back to India. That was on, on one of my, um, bucket lists. uh, Yeah. One of my best friends, uh, from in Japan, he's, um, from India. Of course, I can't remember where. That's embarrassing, but it's fine. And so um, we one, one drunken night, we were coming up with a list of different places to travel in the world. But, um, you know, and I just, you know, want to see more of India than just um, Pune for 72 hours on a very tight itinerary uh, while and being a cricket jet lagged. <laughs> oh, my God. And then I, I had a stress fracture in my foot. Um, so I just thought Oof. my foot was swollen from... <laughs> you know, traveling for six, oh God, like 20 hours. Oh, 20. I was only there for 72. Whoa. Yeah. Cause I was coming from Seattle mm-hmm. via Amsterdam to Delhi to Pune Oof. for three days. I don't even, I, that was such an incredible trip. I'm so thankful for that. Seriously. So thankful that we all got to meet, that we got to have that time. Just like, it was hectic, you know, 4 a.m. all of us in somebody's room. Like we didn't sleep many, for three days. Like, <laughs> we literally didn't sleep for three days. I flipped a little bit because since I was the only woman on that trip, I had a suite to myself. It was the best. It was the only time that being the token woman was great, which I know that wasn't the intention. <laughs> well, well, it was fun. Visas are always pain in the ass. Like I remember when I had to mm-hmm. uh, travel for U11 to Taiwan. Ah, oh, mm-hmm. as awesome as that opportunity was, getting the visa and everything, oof, I hate it. But it was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've learned more about like entry visas with like now residency visas and stuff. Like there was so much that I didn't know about the world when I was at Elevate because from just not, you know, visas, living abroad, travel, all this stuff. And yeah, it's it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Shimon, for inviting me. This was so lovely and wonderful. Thank you for joining. This was really, really nice conversation. And it was great. It's always great catching up with you. <laughs> always great catching up here well i will see you on the internet where we can find more reasons that it'll be shimon's fault yeah as always it's always my fault <laughs> that's the always only con- that's the only constant in life isn't it <laughs> it is it is and that's it folks that's all for this episode i hope you liked it and if you did like share subscribe do your thing and if you have any questions you can reach out to me or laura I'll have our usernames down in the description box below in the show notes. As always, stay safe, take care, and I'll see you in the next episode.